Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Welcome to the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Ryan. It's my pleasure to uh, serve as the Connections Pastor and host of the Activate Podcast. Pastor Christian, Sunday was message 10 in a 10-week series called Chasing Perfection and was also week three of kind of a sub uh, series um, that right out of Matthew chapter 5 entitled Jesus and Difficult People. Um, so we're continuing on, actually finishing that, uh, Matthew chapter 5. Welcome to many of you who are listening from around the U.S. and beyond. Uh, you can check out this week's sermon on the JCI app or website. People tune in every week to the podcast for practical ideas on growing, growing in your faith. At, at times we focus on ways uh, to grow as a leader. And really everything in between. We're, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're listening. And our hopes are that we can help you activate your faith. Pastor Christian, as we conclude Matthew chapter five, you've taught through a series called The Way of Jesus and now finishing Chasing Perfection. Is there a sermon or section of Matthew chapter five that sticks out to you as the most challenging or impactful? So I don't know there's been that there's been any message in this series that hasn't been both challenging and impactful to me as a Christian and so fun as a as a pastor to teach and to preach. However, when we started this series with the first word, so we talked about the Sermon on the Mount for Matthew kind of being Jesus foundation of his ministry. This is this is his spiritual preaching coming out party. This is who I am and what I stand for. And he goes up on a mountain and he calls people to him and he, and he begins with the word blessed. And we did kind of a topical word study on the word blessed. And we said, where's the first time that's ever mentioned in scripture? And it was in Genesis one. It literally was one of the first actions of God towards humanity. He blessed them. He blessed them to be close to him. He blessed them to live in relationship with each other. He blessed them with purpose. He, he blessed them with family. One of the next really dynamic times we see God in scripture on a mountain, Mount Sinai, calling the people to himself, the people of Israel, and he blesses them with the tabernacle, his physical presence dwelling among them. He blesses them with his law. He blesses them with his direction. He blesses them with relationship. And then we see Jesus kind of tie a bow on that. Here is creator God of the universe sitting on a mountain now, not as a cloud of fire, but as a, but as a person. And he begins with blessed. He, Jesus is saying, God wants the same thing for you that he wanted for Adam and Eve, that he wanted for the Israelites, that he, that he wanted for the disciples, Ryan, that he wants for you and I, God wants to bless us with a connection to him. And the blessing of Christianity is being connected to God, is being connected to Jesus, is being forgiven by Jesus. And then allowing the spirit of Jesus to live in us to, as we were in a meeting today talking about John 10, 10, to have life and to, and to have the fullest life possible. So I just think for me, tying, tying creation in Sinai and Jesus together with God on a mountain, inviting people to be blessed by relationship with him at the very, very beginning was just really, really cool. And then, and then for me, for the rest of the series to get to see what 
the blessing of God looks like in your spirit, as your spirit changes to become more like Jesus, in your relationships as they change to become more like Jesus, in your attitudes as they change to become more like Jesus. And then in your religion, which we talk a little bit about this week, that there are there are through Scripture different ways to approach religion. All of them fall way short of making you who God wants you to be. And Jesus says, don't do it like the Pharisees. Don't do it like the Sadducees. Don't do it like the religious leaders. Don't do it like the, don't do it like the tax collector. Certainly don't do it like the pagans. Do it like Jesus. Live with this total dependency upon me and this total grace towards one another and this total love towards people that you're engaged with and this total mission of seeing the hurting and serving the hurting and having hope and giving hope. It's just just been a great chapter to just, I, I think, tie together the entire message of Scripture that God is pursuing us. He invites us into relationship and that relationship changes our life and makes makes it the best life we could possibly have. So if you're listening, we... Men, as Pastor Christian said, went verse by verse through chapter five. Some great teaching on the Beatitudes. So many great lessons if you really want to focus in on chapter five. So, uh, almost sorry to be leaving this great chapter, but we're on to six and seven, uh, for Sermon on the Mount in the months and, and maybe years to come. Uh, you, you give a challenge in the first part of the message and, and quote, uh, Matthew five, 13 through 16. Uh, where ultimately Jesus is expressing how we need to be salt and light of the world and how our deeds should glorify God. Why, why is this challenge in the message so important? Because Jesus began his ministry, really the only line of preaching that Matthew gives to us before Matthew chapter 5 is like one line in Matthew chapter 4 of public ministry where Jesus is like, repent, the kingdom of God is here. We believe that the kingdom of God can be lived in and can be experienced right now through Jesus. But the world does not know, does not know that. So Jesus says for the, for the world to have what they are looking for, they have to know me and be deeply impacted by me. And I am leaving, but my followers are not. So I'm going to need you to be my salt. I'm going to need you to be my light. God's goal for humanity is that they would glorify him, that they would give him glory. The word glory basically means something that has weight or matter. God's goal is that our lives would help people feel the weight of who God is, that because of our lives, who God is would matter to them. And Jesus' entire ministry is trying to connect people to the God of heaven. And Jesus said, it'll be how you live your life the, the way you live your life, the outflow of your life that helps people not see you, but see the God behind you and feel the weight and the heaviness of who he is and how much he should matter in their life. So Jesus really invites us into his mission by saying to be salt into light is to help the world know my father. And that is what they were created for. And they don't even know it, but our growth track takes people through it. They don't know it yet, but once they know God and once they've been transformed and once they discover their purpose and once they go make a difference, being salt and light is the greatest gift you can give anyone because it allows them to understand how much God matters. It allows them to feel the full weight of God in their life, and it allows them to become what God created them to be. Uh, As you move uh, further into the message in talking about the model 
for how to live amid difficult people. You share with us this this list of spiritual giants of the Bible who failed in this area. I think is maybe if you're not used to the Bible, you may not be familiar um, with how many failures and how transparent the Bible is. What what would you say to the transparency of the Bible about the failures of some of these spiritual giants? Well, let me first say this to people disappointed with Christians in their life who fail today, shipwrecked in their faith because someone they respected spiritually fails today, they've not read much of the Bible. Because any modern-day Christian that would expect for any modern-day Christian to be as perfect as Jesus has not read about Noah or Moses or Abraham or David or Joshua, or Solomon, right on and on and on. So we talked in this message how how Jesus gives us this challenge that's crazy. It's it's unattainable. You pray for people who hurt you, love your enemies. If he did not do that first, you would say that can't be done. You might even say that shouldn't be done. But when Jesus gives us this crazy command and then does it and says, follow me, you not only know it has been done, you know, it can be done and you know, it should be done if you are a follower of Jesus. And I think that, that the Bible helps us see the flaws of so many of the great men and women of scripture that God used I think it helps us understand a couple things. One, it helps us understand that God uses broken people, which is good news for everyone who realizes that they're broken but would still like to be used by God. Two, I think it shows us how much grace God has in the lives of his leaders because not a ton of people know this because they don't step into spiritual leadership, but the amount of spiritual warfare and the amount of spiritual attack that happens when you step out to try to live on mission, when you try to lead for God, you, you make yourself an enemy of Satan. When you make yourself a friend of God, James says to be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. The reverse is to, is true as well. When you become a real friend of God, you become an enemy of the world and of Satan. So you see that, that spiritual attack is not just about you. You're not weak because you're being attacked spiritually you're just like the strongest people who've ever lived. But I think when you question whether or not the Bible is true, one of the things you want to look at in history is, is the Bible, is the Bible honest? And one of the things you have to come to grips with is if this book wasn't true, if it was just mythology, if this, if this book was intended to create a picture of a perfect life with God, all these stories wouldn't be in there. The only reason it seems like all these stories of spiritual failure from spiritual leaders would be in the Bible is if they're true. So it actually is, it's one of the great pieces of the credibility of scripture and that it does not hide the failures of people. And it reminds you that the hero of the Bible is God. It's not the people. God uses the people and certainly there's admirable people and there's people like Ezra that I love and and want to be like. There's 
people like the Apostle Paul and Peter that just had a tremendous impact. People like Timothy and Titus, who even while they were young, took tremendous leadership positions. People like David and Joshua, who showed tremendous courage. People like Daniel and Jeremiah and Isaiah, who in the face of tremendous persecution kept living for God. But with but with all of them, you see faults and you see failures and you realize God is the hero of the story. And it just gives you a a little bit of trust that the Bible's pretty authentic because it doesn't clean up the mess. It leaves the mess for you and says, one, God uses broken people. God's not trying to hide the truth. You don't need to hide the truth of who you are and the messes that you have. God uses all of them. But I think it lends, historically speaking, just a lot of credibility to, to what we read, that, that the authors are not just trying to make up stories, but they're telling like the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Sometimes it's really ugly, but the Redeemer God always always looks great in how he deals with people who return to him. Yeah, I think there's some great examples of great people, great leaders, difficult people, who fell and got back up, who were transformed. So I know the series is about dealing with difficult people, but I think it's also a great um, a great reminder if you're listening and you're a difficult person, God can redeem you. God can transform you. God can use you in a really great way. So I love to, to share that hope because we, uh, we all can uh, struggle in that area. Uh, another question, how, how important is prayer in accomplishing the goal of imitating Jesus in this area of responding to difficult people? Well, one, it's absolutely necessary because Jesus says to pray for those who are persecuting you, to to pray for your enemies. So you say, how crucial is it? Well, you can't follow his commands unless you do it because he says very specifically that you're going to love your enemies and you're going to pray for people who persecute you. But what we're going to learn as we dig into Matthew chapter 6 in a brand new series starting next week called Jesus and Inner Strength is that all of all of these bat, all, all of your battles with difficult people are first fought in your heart before they're fought relationally. And what we're going to learn in Matthew chapter 6 is if we can have a private relationship with God, on a daily private relationship with God, that our heart can be strong enough to withstand the difficult people that that we're going to come up against. And I really like how last week's message ended when we talked about Proverbs 18, 24, you know, how do you deal with difficult people? Ultimately, you have to talk to a really reliable friend. And Proverbs 18, 24 says you, you might have a lot of friends. Most of them will be unreliable, but there's a friend who sticks really close and his name is Jesus. And I was listening to last week's message on the treadmill on Monday and a lot of times you hardly remember. I mean, by the time you preach a message three times, you hardly remember what you say. And I'm running on the treadmill and I'm listening to myself say, the only person to talk to about really difficult people is Jesus because nobody dealt with more difficult people in life than Jesus. And nobody loved difficult people better in life than Jesus. So he's like the one friend you should stick really close to and you should talk to. And there's just something about talking to a trusted friend. You and I both have tremendous counselors from premarital counseling 21 years ago to pastoral counseling last month. 
the interesting thing about great counselors is they don't really talk a lot. They just listen. And there's something about just saying what's on your heart that is cleansing and healing and helpful. And sometimes your counselor just lets you talk for an hour and at the end says, do you feel better? And you're like, man, I really do. And they say thanks and they charge you a bunch of money and then they invite you back the next month. Jesus does it for free. Like Jesus lets you unburden your heart. And there's just something about the spirit of God that puts his arm around you in prayer and just says, man, I'm so sorry you've been through that. I was aware of that, but I'm glad you were able to tell me. And I'm not going to together. We're going to walk through this and we're, and we're going to make it together. I showed my prayer journal, uh, one, one of our, not my personal prayer journal, but one of the prayer journals that we give as a part of our church and weekly, we have a section in our prayer journal that just says the people on my heart this week are X. And every week when I fill that out, there's always three groups of people. One, everyone I will meet with that week. So I always, I always fill out my prayer journal with, with my calendar. So the people on my heart this way, I pray for everyone that I'm going to meet with, just that God will already begin working in that meeting. I always pray for people who have asked me to pray for them. So those who are sick, those who are hurting, anyone who's given me a prayer request, I will put them in there. And then I will think, who's on, who's on my heart for any reason at all? And it's usually people who have made some part of the previous week difficult. That are just, I don't know, for some reason, they're just hanging around in my, in my psyche. And by the time I put them down and I just pray for them almost, almost every week when I get done praying, I just, I don't really think about it or dwell on it anymore. And there's very, very, very few times I have to write the same name down two weeks in a row. Cause like once I give it over to Jesus, it's just like he does something to either purify or protect my heart and I'm able to and I'm able to move forward. So when Jesus says pray for your enemies, it's not always about them. It's about you. By praying for them, somehow you receive either cleansing or protection from what they've done to you. And just personally, the experience I've had with it is it's it is the beginning of healing and often the beginning of forgetting the difficulty or maybe the wounds that they've caused you to carry. You've wanted, our church has wanted to be a praying church, which is why we started, uh, you know, Monday morning prayer, 21 days of prayer, the different prayer emphasis we've had over the last couple of years, very specifically. So I'd say if you're listening um, and you've got difficult people in your life, model this example that Pastor Christian just shared with you. Come, be a part of our either 6 a.m. Occasionally we have those on Sunday nights at 6.30. Um, this is a place where you can come and be praying for folks um, because we all we all need to be praying very specifically about people uh, who are on our hearts, especially especially the difficult ones. You, you conclude the message with the standard, and you share Matthew 5.48, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, right? This was the kind of the, wait a minute, this is a really difficult passage. Did, did Jesus set a standard that was too high for us? Uh, what, what was the intent, by, uh, intent behind this bold statement? Yes, he did. He set a standard that could not be attained. And he intentionally meant to do that because he was speaking to a crowd who thought they could earn God's 
affection and righteousness by standards that they had set in place that were just way too low. So Jesus begins this teaching by saying, unless your righteousness, righteousness defined is basically being right with God. So Jesus says, unless, unless you being right with God, unless what it takes for you to be right with God is more than what it takes for the Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the law to be right with God, like you, you won't be right with God. Like if you're counting on what they do to be right with God, you'll never be right with God. And they followed lots of laws and most of the traditions perfectly, but not as perfect as Jesus. And the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount was to teach us that we needed to be dependent upon a Savior. It was Jesus taking us back to Egypt in Exodus chapter 12 on the night of the first Passover and God sending a plague upon the country of Egypt that would kill all of the firstborn sons. But telling the people of Israel, your firstborn son does not have to die if you have a substitute. And if you will take that substitute and substitute the life of a lamb for the life of a son, but it's got to be a perfect unblemished lamb and you have to, you have to take its life. If you will do that and trust in the life of another and the perfection of another, then I'll spare you and you'll be my people. The Jews of Jesus day had quit trusting in a substitute, a sacrifice, something more perfect, more unblemished than them. And, and they'd missed it. Jesus said, and we'll study this in Matthew seven. Hey, broad is the road. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. Lots of people find it. everybody thinks they know where they're going, but, but narrow is the gate that leads to life. And only a few find it. And those who find it are people who show up at the gate and say, I don't think I can get in on my own, but if someone will help me, I'll be ready. Matthew 548 is abs- It's an absolutely impossible standard. Yes, you cannot be as perfectly as your heaven, as perfect as your heavenly father. But when you step back and say, if that's the standard, what is my option? And then Jesus says, me, you get a chance to choose Jesus and live in relationship with one who could be perfect rather than following a religion, trying to be perfect that had already proved impossible over nearly 2,000 years of trying to follow the law, the Apostle Paul said all the law did was reveal to us we couldn't live perfect enough. And in the perfect time, when everyone should have known, okay, we've tried that way, that doesn't work, what do we do? A Savior showed up and said, perfection is demanded. You can't do it. I will. And you can put your faith in me and have a relationship with me. And God will use my relationship with you to see you good enough for him. So the whole thought of Matthew 548 is really not be perfect. It's be dependent, be dependent on Jesus for your spirit. Those are the Beatitudes in the way of Jesus in October, be dependent on Jesus for your attitudes. That has been the last 10 weeks of chasing perfection. Be with Jesus in, in to be dependent on Jesus for your hearts and your hurts and your relationships. That's been the past seven weeks in Jesus and marriage and Jesus and difficult people. When Jesus said, be perfect, what we should have heard was be dependent. And I, for one said, if, yeah, if my options are perfection, 
or dependence, I only have one option. I have to be dependent on Jesus. And that's been the point of this entire series, to teach us to be dependent on Jesus for our connection to the God of the universe, his righteousness, his perfection, his forgiveness, and then to follow him and and to live on his mission. Uh, you you kind of already touched on the next series, uh, but any other thoughts you want to share or invite uh, for people uh, moving forward where you're, you're Jesus and inner strength? So Matthew chapter 5 is a lot about what it takes on the inside to live for Jesus on the outside. But it's a lot of what people can see, your spirit, your attitude, and your relationships. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says again and again and again, like go into your closet, go into your private place. And in Matthew chapter 6, we'll talk about prayer. Jesus will teach us the Lord's prayer. The disciples will come to him and say, we want to be spiritually strong like you. Can you teach us to pray? It seems like spiritual people pray. So Jesus will teach him to pray. We'll learn about fasting on May 16th. We'll talk about how depriving yourself and creating a physical need can remind you of a spiritual need that we can lean into Jesus that only he can meet. And every week this summer, we'll ask our people to fast from something for something so they can be dependent on Jesus for a need in their life that only he can meet. We'll talk about generosity and giving because Jesus said one of the secret parts of your inner strength is living generously towards others, not to be seen by others, but to be seen by God. He does see your generosity. He sees how much you trust him. He sees how much you bless others through your generosity. And then we'll end by talking about worry and anxiety. And often our battles with worry and anxiety is not something anyone can see. But if we can develop the inner strength to overcome worry and anxiety, we can learn to put Jesus first, to trust that he'll give us everything else. We can learn to live fully present today, not worried about tomorrow because Jesus has that too. So I think May is going to be a really cool month in Matthew chapter 6 as we learn to pray, as we learn to fast, as we learn how important generosity is. As we learn about anxiety and worry, by the time we get to the end of Matthew chapter 6, we're going to realize that all of our issues are internal spiritual issues that have private spiritual answers. You and God, in your own time, really where no one else knows or is even around, building your faith one building block at a time. Looking forward to it. Um, uh, If you're listening from wherever you're at, be sure to tune in. We hope to see you in person. Thank you, Pastor Christian, for joining us on the podcast today. If you're a new listener, welcome. Uh, We hope uh, you'll come back for for more biblical insights and ways to activate your faith. If you're in town here in the Kansas City area, come come see us in person. Uh, We would love to have you. If you're listening from outside of the Kansas City area, you can tune into one of our services online. Uh, or, of course, you can uh, hopefully find yourself a, a church close to you so you can get plugged into a spiritual community near you. Uh, we love to hear how God is working in your life. You can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc or if you have a question you want us to answer. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. 
Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.